Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. We are uh, in the middle of a campaign, a series really, we're calling Rooted, and it's all about diving into God's Word uh, together, and so we want to encourage you to do that. Now, before we jump back into the message, let me remind you that uh, our, we are encouraging everybody when it comes to giving to God through our church, I'm talking about tithes and offerings, uh, if you would consider automating the importance. So you, you received this card when you walked in today. If you would scan that QR code with your, ca- with your camera, it'll take you to a video that will explain how do you set up online reoccurring giving. A lot like uh, we do with our bills, you know, on a certain day of the week, certain day of the month, you know, money is transferred. This is a great way to be consistent in giving. This is the way that Tracy and I do it. So before we head into the summer, this is a great opportunity for you to consider uh, how you give to the Lord. And just want to say thank you to everybody for your generosity uh, to us uh, in giving to the Lord. You are the reason uh, that we get to do what we do and make a difference in so many people's lives. So we appreciate that so very, very much. All right, so uh, we are in, part of this rooted uh, campaign. Uh, we have issued a 30-day challenge to learn how to study the Bible. And so beginning 12 days ago, we started dropping one video per day, and it's all about what's the Bible all about? What about the books of the Bible? How do I study the Bible, really? And so from day one to day 30, we're, we're really starting out with this, the simple foundational things, but by the time we get to day 30, you're, if you do this campaign, you're going to be more biblically literate than I would say 80, 90% of everybody else, because we're not just going to teach you about the Bible. We're going to teach you how to study the Bible and how to make it real for yourself. How many think that's a good idea? I've received lots of feedback from people. Uh, Some families are saying, hey, we watch this video every night uh, together as a family. Uh, I've had people text me and say, hi, every time the video drops, I share the link with people, my neighbors, uh, coworkers, some of you are out of state. So matter of fact, more than 800 of you are participating in this challenge so far. So I applaud you uh, for your hunger and your desire to get into God's work. And so uh, thank you so much for doing that. I'd like to start with a story uh, about my son. This is my oldest son, Braden. Uh, he's now 25, so he doesn't look like this anymore. Sometimes I wish he still looked like that. All the moms and dads said, yep. It goes fast. By the way, we're going to be dedicating 10 babies in just a few minutes. So just encourage all of the parents, make the most of every opportunity, Right? So this is the day that he caught his first fish. And you can see the joy on his face. Uh, I took him fishing, and of course, you know, I, I showed him how to tie the hook on the end of the string, how to put a worm on the hook, you know, how to cast it, uh, and then watch that bobber. When that bobber starts to go up and down, you know, that's when you begin to reel it in, and so you reel it in, and you catch a fish. Now, uh, it 
took some patience on my part to teach him how to do it for himself. Uh, And a few worms were gutted along the process, if you know what I'm saying, okay? But after a while, you know, he, he did the worm, he did the hook, he, he cast it in, and there goes that bobber. He reeled it in, and this was the result. I don't know if you can see on that picture, but this is pure joy on a little boy's face. Now, I could have took him with me and say, okay, Braden, uh, I did this with Elliot too, by the way. He was a little bit less excited. Uh, but I could have said, hey, I'm going to go and you're going to sit right here and uh, you're going to uh, watch while I catch you some fish and, you know, and I'll give you a fish. Now, he may have said, okay, dad, but how many know he would have gotten bored pretty quickly? But when he did the work himself, when he learned how to do it for himself and it actually worked, the result was pure joy. That's what I want for you in this series. I don't want to just show up every Sunday and give you a fish. I don't even want to just show up every Sunday and give you a nicely cooked fish with garnish. I'm talking about tilapia with some relish. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm making myself hungry. All right? Uh, my goal is to do that every Sunday is to, is to come and, and bring you this well-prepared meal from God's word. But I'm more, uh, it's more important to me that I actually teach you how to fish that I teach you how to open the word of God for yourself, how to study the word of God for yourself, how to feed yourself, because after all, our goal is to become self-feeding followers of Jesus. You might remember a couple of years ago, the world shut down, and all of a sudden, we couldn't gather. And I'll tell you that as a pastor, that really challenged me. And I began to question my own, uh, my own approach to pastoring. How well have we done actually equipping people? Or have we actually trained them to be dependent on us? I was asking myself some really hard questions. So I'm, not, I'm determined now more than ever to equip you to feed yourself. To open this Bible and read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. Because it is the greatest book of all time. And, and that's, that's our heart. But it's more important than that because... This is the big idea that we're trying to communicate with you is that my relationship with God is as strong as my relationship with God's word. Can I say that again? My relationship with God is as strong as my relationship with God's word. So if I were to pick out a few of you from the crowd, and I'm not going to do this, by the way, so don't get nervous. This is not that kind of church. Uh, But if I were to say, hey, how's your relationship with God? You might say, well, it's pretty good, or it's not real good, or it's really, really good. Can I tell you, it's probably very dependent on how much you have been reading, learning, studying, applying God's word. If I were to go to you and ask you, hey, what's God saying to you, Pastor Brian? Has God been speaking to you lately? Can I tell you that if you've been in the Bible, been reading the Bible, studying the Bible, guess what? God's been speaking to you because God's word is God's voice. Maybe, you, I, maybe I pick somebody out of this stadium. Hello, stadium. All right. Or even online and say, hey, what's God been saying to you lately? Well, It's not really been saying a whole lot. Can I go ahead and tell you that maybe it's because you actually haven't been reading, studying, obeying, applying God's word. 
Are you getting this? My relationship with God is as strong as my relationship with God's word. And if you've recently began following Jesus, you need to know this is where it's at. How am I going to keep up as a follower of Jesus? How am I going to make it all the way to the end? If you will commit to living, learning, and loving this book, you're going to make it all the way to the end. You'll be like a tree, like the video says. We preached about it a couple weeks ago, Psalm chapter 1, a tree planted by rivers of living water right? You're going to be rooted. You're going to last. You're going to make it. Jesus said in Matthew, storms are going to come, but if you build your house on the rock, it's not going to destroy your house. All right? So there's an urgency uh, to this here today, and I just want to challenge everybody to commit to a relationship with God by having an ongoing relationship with God's Word. Here's what what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said, if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples. So how do you know if you're a disciple? He says, you know what I said and you hold to it, which means you believe it and not just believe it, you apply to it. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And then you will know the truth and the result of that truth is what? It will set you that's around here, that's what we call find freedom. Because we don't want to just know God, you want to find freedom. How do I find freedom? It's when I begin to align my thoughts with these thoughts. It's when I begin to align my life with this book. That's when freedom begins to happen. Come on, somebody. This is God's heart and his word. And so part of the process is just to help you understand that, that this is no ordinary book. It's a supernatural book. It's not just a book, actually. It's a book of 66 books. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. But it's powerful if you think about it because the Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years in over a dozen countries on three continents and three different languages. Some of you don't know this. Uh, But uh, the Bible was written by poets, prophets, princes, kings, sailors, soldiers, attorneys, doctors, farmers, scholars, shepherds, priests, historians, Fishermen, tax collectors, and businessmen. The Bible was written in caves, on ships, in homes, in palaces, in prisons, and deserts. So how did they all come up with the same story? How did they all come up with the same story of God's love and God's redemption of sinful human beings? Can I go ahead and tell you why? Because there's only one author of the Bible. His name is God. God wrote the Bible. Men held the pen as they wrote the books of the Bible. But this is no ordinary book. There is a God in heaven who oversaw the revelation of himself through the Bible so that we could know him, so that we could know about him, so that we could love him, and so that we could follow him. That's God's heart for all of us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says all scripture is what? God breathed. That's a pretty powerful statement. So when we read the Bible, the Bible says we're actually reading the breath of God. Now, in theological circles, we call this the inspired word of God or the inspiration of Scripture. If you've never heard that term, it's incredibly important because right now, our culture is attacking the Bible. 
It's not the word of God. It's not inspired and it's definitely not infallible. And yet the Bible says of itself that it is. And I just want to encourage you that when you open the book, these are not just ink on a page. It's breath. It's life. If I will receive it, if I will do it. Amen? There's only one author of the Bible. His name is God. And I love the rest of this verse because it's useful for teaching, uh, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness uh, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does this mean? It means the Bible works. It means if you will take what the Bible says about money and apply it to your life, your finances are going to work. It means if you take what the Bible says about forgiveness, we talked a lot about that, and I actually forgive, guess what? Forgiveness works. If I take what the Bible says about marriage, and the Bible has a lot to say about marriage, and I apply it to my life, guess what's going to happen to my marriage? It's going to work. Whatever you take, uh, whatever area of your life, take what the Bible says and apply it to your life. Forget what everybody else says. Because the word of God lasts forever. As a matter of fact, uh, this week in our Bible study series, the 30-day challenge, we're going to show you specific ways to study the Bible. And one of the best ways to study the Bible is topically. Take a topic that's important to you or an area of your life and then find out every verse that the Bible has to say about that and begin to meditate on it, begin to think about it, begin to pray about it, and then begin to apply it to your life. You know what's going to happen to your life? It's going to change. Are you with me? That's a great way to study the Bible. Well, pastor, I'm having issues with my kids. And I, you know, how about you take, a, t- take some time? What does the Bible say about parenting? What does the Bible say about r- raising children? There's a few things in there about parenting. And begin to apply those principles to your life. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to work. Somebody say amen. The Bible works. Now, so if the Bible works, and the Bible's the inspired word of God, it's the breath of God, then why don't more people read it? Why does it collect dust on our shelves or on our desks? Well, I can tell you that maybe part of the reason is because we don't understand it, or we don't know how to approach it. You know, because, you know, the Bible is a, look at this one, this is pretty thick, all right? That's a lot of pages, Where do I start? Where do I begin? Well, let me explain to you how the Bible is organized, and then I'm going to show you the bigger picture. So hang in with me, okay? So here's how the Bible is organized. So uh, these are the books of the Bible. So the Bible begins in the book of Genesis and ends in Revelation. Most of you already know that, but what you don't know is that the Bible is not chronologically categorized, which means it begins in Genesis, it ends in Revelation, but everything in between may or may not be in chronological order. And so uh, the Bible wasn't grouped together chronologically. The Bible was grouped together by writing style. Let me explain to you. So the first five books are the law books. So this is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So this is the creation of the world. This is Abraham. You know, this is Moses, Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston is not in the first five. 
All right? So we call it the law books because God gave Moses the law, and so this was the law of God's people, okay? And then it follows up uh, with the history books, and there are 12 of those. So you're talking about Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. These are full of stories about Israel, right, about God's chosen people, okay? So these are full of stories, the history books, and then it's followed by the poetry books. So Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. So these, book, these books were actually written as poetry. The book of Psalms is a, literally a list of songs, okay? And so that helps us. And by the way, I ask a few people, what if the, what if the categories of the Bible were a mixtape? What would the song for the poetry books read? Well, I know for Song of Solomon, it would probably be a Kenny G. <laughs> Everybody under 30 is like, who's that? Who's Kenny G? <laughs> Let's keep going. Uh, following the poetry books is the prophets or the prophecy books. Okay, so there's five major prophets, uh, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, and then it's followed by 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, these, and they're called, uh, they're called major prophets, not because they're more important, it's just because they're longer, okay? They're longer books, and then the minor prophets aren't minor because they're less important, they're just shorter. Uh, the minor prophets are actually the hardest to find in a paper Bible because it's right there in the middle and they're very short. And you're like, oh, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. So then after the minor prophets, there is this 400 years of silence. There's no scripture written. There's, no, there's nothing. And so what's happening in the world at this time is Alexander the Great, right? And you have the rise of the Roman Empire, which is why when we get to the Gospels uh, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke starts his Gospel in the year that Quirinius was governor. The Romans were in charge. So in the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all stories of the same man, Jesus Christ. So the Gospels are the life of Jesus, right? Now, let me pause for a second. You say, okay, Pastor, where do I start if I've never read the Bible? If I don't know a lot about the Bible, where do I start? I always encourage you to start right here in the book of John. Okay, sorry. Book of John. Now, the reason I want to encourage you to start the book of John is because John is all about Jesus. The first verse of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus. And, and uh, you may not know that uh, each four writers of the Gospels had a different audience in mind when they wrote them. So Matthew wrote his primarily with Jewish people in mind. So Matthew quotes more of the Old Testament than anybody else because he's trying to reach people who understand the Old Testament. Mark was written more toward a Gentile or Roman audience, so there's, all, there's more miracles in the book of Mark than any other of the Gospels. Luke was a doctor, and so he has more detail than anybody else, and John just kind of wrote to everybody, all right? That's why I encourage you to start the book of John. If you haven't been reading the Bible in a long time and you want to start, start in the book of John. What do I do after the book of John? Then read the rest of the Gospels. Are you with me? So just get acquainted with Jesus. Just learn about Jesus. After the Gospels, we have the book of Acts, which is the historical record of the first church. So the book of Acts is just one book, and this is the story of how the church got started, 
right? The Holy Spirit is poured out uh, and, the, and the people are dispersed all through the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Following the book of Acts are the epistles and these are letters. The word epistle is not the wife of an apostle. I'm just checking to see if you're with me. All right? An epistle means a letter. And so Paul, Peter, James, others wrote letters to churches and, and to encourage them, to instruct them, sometimes to correct them in their thinking, in their behavior, all right? And so, by the way, all of the epistles have a simple outline. You got to have right thinking first before you have right behavior. If you look at every one of the epistles, the first few chapters are about thinking right, and then they go into, now do this. Is this too much for you? Can you handle this? All right. And so after the epistles, we get to the book of Revelation. It's not Revelations. That's free. The Revelation. Now, uh, it's a prophecy of the last days and eternity. And Revelation is probably one of the hardest books to understand because there's so much imagery in there and there's some, you know, some scary imagery in there. But let me remind you that the first verse of Revelation is it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't go looking for everything in the book of Revelation except Jesus. Jesus is in the Bible. Amen? As a matter of fact, uh, that's, well, let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me show you what I think. Uh, I'm going to move this out of the way so everybody can see this. This is uh, not original to me. I got this from somebody else. But I want to show you how the Bible is one story. And it's a powerful story. It's our story. It's called, this is called the mirror image, and it's, it, it powerfully illustrates how the Old Testament mirrors the New Testament. And the reason I share this with you is because some people think, well, the Old Testament, you know, that's, that's old. We need the new. Well, it's actually part of the same story, so we need both. Let me explain this to you. So the Old Testament begins in the book of Genesis, God and righteous people in paradise. So God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in paradise. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. No sin, no hurt, no death, no pain, no, no disease, right? Then what happened? Satan and sin enter. Satan tempts Adam and Eve. They disobey God. As a result, sin comes in the world. With sin comes chaos and pain and disorder, and let me just go ahead and just give a warning to everybody who's flirting with darkness and flirting with the enemy. Everything that he has is chaos and pain and disorder. And that's how it will end in every time. I feel like somebody needs to hear that. You're just, you're messing with stuff. Maybe you're messing with occultic stuff. Maybe the music you're listening to is super dark. It's always going to end in chaos and pain and disorder. So Satan and sin enter. And so God judges sin with the flood right? A worldwide flood, Noah, and all of this. And, and so God deals with sin and starts over. So the problem was sin hadn't been eradicated from the world. And so uh, the chaos ensues again. And so men decide, hey, we're smart enough. We can do this without God. We're going to build a tower all the way to heaven because we are one. So that's followed well, after, after that begins to happen, here comes Abraham, Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel. So God picks 12 tribes of Israel 
to show his light to the nations, right? And so most of the Old Testament is about the 12 tribes of Israel for this purpose. So, and then we come to Jesus Christ. Now, let me go ahead and spoiler alert. The whole Bible is about Jesus. That's why he's at the top and he's at the middle. So Jesus comes on the scene. He lives where we live. He walked where we walked. He experienced what we experienced. And then he gave his life for us. He rose from the grave. And then he ascended to heaven. And then what happened? This is the New Testament. So there's 12 disciples, right? So instead of 12 12 tribes, there's 12 disciples. And so through these people, God establishes the church, God's holy people. Do you see the mirror here? And so after that, uh, the Bible says, now we're in the church age now. So when God poured out his spirit, the church age began. It's been going on for a couple thousand years. But the next thing that's going to happen is a one world government system. Now, if you're paying attention to what's going on in the world, you realize we are racing toward that right now. Globalism, global thinking, you know, one world currency, all the technology that Revelation describes is currently in place. This is happening soon if it, has, if it isn't happening already. Well, the world comes together again and says, hey, we don't need God. We're smart. We're awesome. We're there right now. What's going to happen after that is the world's going to be judged and destroyed. In the Old Testament, it was destroyed by water. But in the future, it's going to be destroyed by fire because God will always deal with sin. And then Satan and sin are going to exit. That's good news. So when God does this, no more pain, no more hurt, no more death, no more dying, right? And it's going to result God and redeemed people in paradise. This is the Bible. This is the story. Now, why do I show you this? I just want to show you 40 different authors, 1,600 years, caves, prisons, palaces, castles, all this same story. You can't do this by yourself. Aliens couldn't even do this. No aliens in the Bible. No zombies either. Come on now. Zombie apocalypse, pastor. No. That's deception. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks, all right? We're going to get into the headlines of what's going on. Right now, I'm laying a foundation so that you can understand that the way we test everything is through this. I want you to hang with me. Some of, you, some of you are saying, Pastor, why are you teaching us all this? Some of you grizzled older Christians, I'm teaching you this so you can teach your kids this. And so their kids can teach their kids this. And so you can teach people at work. And so you can teach people in your neighborhood because they don't know this. Pastor, this is so simple. This is so Sunday school. Guess what? We haven't had Sunday school in about 40 years. And we're paying a price for it. So we need to know this so that we can teach other people. But we also need to know this because you need to know that when I approach the Bible, there's a story. And the story is about who? It's about Jesus. Now, I think when we look at this, we say, well, what's the subject of the Bible? Well, the subject of the Bible 
is us. No, it's not. It's written for us, but it's not written about us. Can I tell you that the subject of the Bible is Jesus? Jesus in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament. And you're going to find Jesus all through every book of the Bible. Say, Pastor, where is that in the Bible? Well, in the book of John, chapter 5, Jesus said to people, he said, you search the scriptures. Now, pause for a second. Uh, What scriptures was Jesus talking about at this point? The gospels hadn't been written. None of the letters had been written because they hadn't happened yet. He was talking about the Old Testament. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. When you get this, you'll never read the Bible the same. Because I'm reading these Old Testament stories. Some of it, I don't understand. Some of it doesn't make sense. What, 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 where's Jesus in the Bible? Can I tell you about the Old Testament? The Old Testament, God gave the law for people to obey. And God's standard was perfect. The problem is, nothing was changed in our hearts. And everything was on the outward. And so it was impossible for us to keep God's standard because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the standard of God. Does that make sense, everybody? So the Old Testament is simply a picture of brokenness and what it's like to try to live for God without Jesus. The New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene. And what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't come to bring this earthly kingdom. He brings the kingdom into our hearts. And he wants to change your heart. And when he changes your heart, your behavior will change. Somebody's got to get this. Because we live in a culture that says, do X, Y, Z, and Jesus will love you. Do X, Y, Z, and you can be saved. No, 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 no. Surrender to Jesus and let him change you. And follow him. Because Jesus is God's standard. It's called grace. Some of you, I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this. That's the Bible. So can I challenge you, wherever you're reading in the Bible, whether you're reading in the Psalms or or one of the stories in the history books or reading one of the letters in the New Testament, go looking for Jesus. Where is Jesus in these verses? Where is Jesus in this story? I promise you he's there. And when you approach God's word and when you read God's word, you may even want to pray, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see Jesus. Now, I'm trying to help you fall in love with the word of God. Because I want you to understand that if everything I'm saying is true, that when I open the book, the God-breathed scriptures, God is breathing on me. And I'm learning and growing about Jesus. I'm actually spending time with Jesus. And that can I tell you what Jesus does? Jesus changes us from the inside out. And that's why I keep telling you that my relationship with Jesus, excuse me, wrong way. One more. My relationship with God as as strong as my relationship with God's word. So if you haven't done so yet, Would you take the 30-day challenge? 
More than 800 people have done it already. Why don't you do it? Take the 30-day challenge. This is day 12. Just jump right in. But when you get that link, you text the word rooted to that number we gave you. It'll send you a link. And uh, there are already 12 videos posted. We're going to post one every day. Why do I do that? Because I want to love. I want to live. I want to learn God's word. Right? I want you to do that. Some of you are saying, well, pastor, you keep telling us to get a study Bible, but have you checked out the prices of those things? Right? Study Bibles, I mean, probably minimum is going to cost you $30. You can spend $50. You can spend hundreds of dollars if you want a super nice one. And so we realized that that's going to cost some money. Uh, Last week, I was talking about this. I had a family in our church reach out to me and they said, pastor, uh, the need for everybody to have a study Bible, uh, just so real to us, we'd like to pay for anybody who needs a study Bible and can't afford it. So because of the generosity of a family in our church, if you want a study Bible, and the reason you don't have one is because you can't afford it, I want you to write down study Bible on your connect card today. If you're online, just put study Bible and we'll need your information and we will purchase for you and give it to you. That might be, that that might be a better investment than Google or Apple or Intel, I don't know, because the investment of God's word will last forever. It's good news. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? What's your relationship like with God's word? This is for everybody, this is for all of us. What is your relationship with God like? What is your relationship like with God's word? Pastor, I don't read the Bible much or I haven't read it in a long time. You're probably pretty distant from God. Well, Pastor, I read the Bible all the time. That's awesome. You're probably hearing his voice pretty clearly. Maybe you've never read the Bible and you need to begin. That's good news. Just start, just start. It it begins with the decision. Every great thing that happens in your life begins with a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, if I'm gonna follow Jesus, I'm going to engage with his word. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not following God, but I want to, and I know I need to. You could be one heartfelt decision away from salvation, from eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that decision is in your heart, in your mind. I'm going to follow Jesus. If that's you, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. Others around you are going to pray it out loud just to encourage you. But if you mean business with God, would you pray this way? and Say, Jesus, I surrender. My life is yours. My future is yours. Everything I have is yours. Thank you for the Bible, your story of love. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who died for my sin and rose again to save me. From this day forward, I have decided I'm following you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you give God praise for every person who just prayed right now? If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org 
and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.